Magazines and Monsters, episode 39. The Defenders 15 and 16 from 1974. Guys, we finally developed our time machine. Should we use it to go back and see how Stonehenge was built? Or become friends with Hitler and convince him to stay in art school. Or we could go back in time and get the comic books we missed. Yeah! Yeah! The Comic Book Time Machine. A journey back in time to explore comic books. Good and bad. Whether from seven decades ago or seven days ago. Join our journey at comicbooktimemachine.com. Hey everybody, uh, Billy D, aka Doc Strange here, back with another recording for the show. And uh, this uh, episode has been a long time coming. Uh, my guest and I uh, just talked off mic for a minute and I did not realize it was uh, two plus, almost <laughs> two and a half years ago when I reached out to say, hey, how about we talk about this? So uh, <laughs> this is a, this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be good. Talking some defenders here with uh, my buddy Dallin B from uh, Twitter here. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being on, man. Like you and I have been friends on Twitter for a while. Both love comics and music and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I thought, oh man, I know he loves crazy comics. So got to talk Defenders. <laughs> well, this is the first time we've we've talked. Period, except mm-hmm. online. So I don't even know how how you like to be addressed. Is it is it Billy or Doc oh, Billy's Stranger? Cool. Doctor yeah, Delicious. Cool. <laughs> yeah, Billy's cool, man. That's, okay, that's, that, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it, online and what people are like in real life is sometimes a really different thing. But I'm just a goofball in real life, just like I am online too. Love comics, and movies, and music, and that's pretty much me, man. <laughs> I do love the fact that you you pretty much post at least one good or bad joke every day on Twitter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. If I find something that I find funny, I put it out there, even though maybe nobody else does. <laughs> no, I love it. I appreciate it. <laughs> try to be positive. Try to be fun. You know, just try to talk about good, cool, fun stuff. No, I always try to keep the negativity, you know, away because it's just uh, that's what I'm trying to do, man. Trying to always be more positive. Try and try and try. But uh, so, yeah, man. So. For those that don't know you, you are a professional musician, which is super cool. Um, you and I were just talking. You've been playing out a lot lately, but, you know, you know the entertainment industry got hit pretty uh, tough uh, with the pandemic there. But you're getting back out there and you're, uh, you know, hitting the music scene again, which is awesome. You know, you were just like you said, you were out last night, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, two nights ago was like the crazy, you know, 21 and over uh, club show. Mm. Last night was um, what's typically a boring corporate show you know we were entertaining a bunch of people that were raising money for a charity it's hit and miss but last night was a lot of fun we had a we had a great group of people out on the dance floor and it was uh it was a good night cool yeah and you're out in california so it's there's there's plenty going on out there to uh plenty of no i'm not i'm not in california i was in california for about 14 years but uh i live in arizona Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, you and uh, another mutual friend of ours, uh, Karen, she moved to Arizona, too, from uh, Bronze Age Babies there. She was out in California. She moved to Arizona, too. Man, Arizona must be the place to be. I've been here longer than than I was in California now, Um, but I was doing a lot of commuting, and I met my future wife and got lured out here, but Mm -hmm. I love it, yeah. Yeah, I'll, the only thing I can't, I don't know if I could ever live with is how hot it gets out there, man. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> well, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, and it was, you know, long, cold winters where you're basically 
mm. ducking from one heater to another. And it's just the opposite here. It's just a long, hot summer where you're ducking from one air conditioning to another. You get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget. I was out in Las Vegas many years ago. And when my wife and I got off the plane, it was 110 or 115 degrees. And oh, I was yeah. like, what the heck? It felt like somebody was holding a hair dryer in my face yeah. when the wind blew. I'm like, wow, this is nasty. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I, I have a, a memory like that too. We're flying from LA to Phoenix to play a show and walking out the doors of the airport and just whoosh. Yeah, oh. it was it was nuts. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd spend all day inside, like you said, in front of an air conditioner. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man, the defenders. I think I actually heard you talk to rob kelly on his treasury cast uh some defenders did i not you did you you would you contacted me you said i heard you on the treasure cast and uh what would you think about you know talking to some more defenders which i mean i'm i'm always up for talking defenders this mm -hmm. is only the third podcast i've ever done and all three have been talking defenders which is fine but <laughs> oh I, that's I mean, awesome <laughs> i don't mind being pigeonholed because uh there were studies done, a lot of research, a lot of money spent. And uh, I don't know if it was Harvard or Yale. Actually, it might have been my reading room, my comic reading room. But mm -hmm. studies were done. <laughs> and the Defenders are the greatest comic book team in existence. It's, it's, it's a factual thing. It's been proven. I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know that I, I don't know that the rest of the world <laughs> will, will buy in on that, but uh, people always qualify it. They say best non-team, no, best team, best non-team, best team, both. Yeah, it's it is definitely one of my favorites. I mean, I'm a huge Doctor Strange fan, so that probably has something to do with it. But I do love uh, the supporting cast as well, you know. But yeah, I, there's not as many uh, defenders uh, fans out there as I thought there would be. When I was like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever, and you get online, you think everybody must think they're the coolest thing ever, and you get online, and you're like, uh, no, <laughs> not every, not everybody does. Everybody's like, that was weird, man. And I'm like, yeah, but weird is fun, and weird is cool. Oh, and like, man. well. <laughs> Growing up reading Marvel comics, I was always way into I don't know about you, but the the B list, the C list, the D list characters. Um, to me, that's what made the whole universe so much fun. And it never occurred to me till just this week. Uh, I'm not sure if that's why I love the Defenders so much or if maybe the Defenders is why I became such a fan of all those off kilter you know, weird guest star characters mm -hmm. because that's what Defenders is all about. You never knew who was going to show up. Yeah, absolutely. And there, it, when I went back, I read this. I, this is one of the first stories, these two issues, uh, Defenders 15 and 16 from uh, 1974. We're going to talk about them, but these are actually some of the first, if not the first issues of Defenders I ever had. Well, um, I wondered about that. I wondered why you chose this story. That's cool. Yeah, and it's just funny. Every time I think the Defenders, I always think of Steve Gerber because he's one of my favorite writers. Yeah. And he wrote some really, really cool Defender stories, but he didn't write this story, which is kind of interesting because, you know, it's a weird story, <laughs> but it's definitely uh, not Steve Gerber. It was uh, Len Wein that wrote these, which is kind of wild. I don't usually think of Len Wein when I think of weird stories. I just think of, you know, regular superhero stories. Well, Len, Len wrote the very first uh, issue of The Hulk that I, it's the first comic I remember uh, plucking off the spinner rack. I don't think it was the first comic I had, but it's the first one I remember buying. Mm 
mm-hmm. and it was Hulk 191. It was a Len Wein story. And when I think of Len Wein, I think of heart because that Hulk story just had so much emotional depth to it. And it was so, there was so much heart to it. But uh, there's a little bit of heart is sprinkled throughout this story, but that's not what it's about. It's not really it's not the same sort of Len Wein. Yeah, I mean, when I think of Len Wein, too, I do think of the X-Men. And, well, there's a, a bit of a an X-Men lean to this story as well with, uh, you know, the not only the villain or villains, but uh, one of the heroes in here, too. But, uh, yeah, like I said, Len Wein is the writer. Uh, Sal Buscema and Klaus Janssen are the artists. Glennis Wein, colorist. John Costanza, letterer. And Roy the Boy Thomas was the editor. So, yeah, this is issue 15 here. So this one is a panic beneath the earth. So... What do you think of the cover on this one? This is uh, Sal B and uh, Sal Buscema and Mike Esposito. I love this cover. Uh, it this is not uh, these were not early uh, Defenders issues that I had. These came much later in my trying to collect the Defenders run. But when I finally got a hold of issue fifteen, which was one of the tougher issues for me to get, it seemed like it took a lot of years before it came into <laughs> my came into my possession. But I realized, uh, like, oh, it's it's Nighthawk's first new costume, so maybe that's why it was a little harder to find. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, X-Men appearances are a little harder to find, typically. But yeah. I think it's harder to find just because this cover is so awesome. <laughs> yeah, this, this cover is really cool. It has uh, uh, the Defenders versus Magneto and his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants in the little box there, and you have you know, Magneto facing off with Doctor Strange, and then, like I said, Nighthawk in his new costume, bouncing off of the blob, and then the Hulk Hilarious. trying to punch uh, Eunice, the untouchable. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, everything in the kitchen sink in this cover. It's just, yeah, it's busy. There's a lot going on, but it, there's something about it. It's well-balanced. It's an exciting cover. I love it. Oh, yeah, me too. I And I'm a Sal Buscema apologist. To me, he does no wrong. So <laughs> maybe I'm yeah. not the best, best to say about I, this. I, I mean, as a kid, I feel like I held every artist up to, you know, his brother. That was, mm-hmm. you know, John Buscema was, was kind of the the be-all, end-all for, for a long time for me. Yeah. And it took me a lot of years to realize that even I was giving Sal short shrift, you know, he's, mm-hmm. I almost uh, appreciate his output more than, than John's these days. Yeah. When you look at defenders, you know, he did a pretty good run on this book and, you know, stuff like, uh, I'm trying to think of what else, you know, well, he, Hulk, his Hulk, Rom, he did and, a ton. And Rom, if you're a Rom fan. Rom. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he had some, and those are some really long runs on books too. By the way, it's not like yeah. you know, he was only on for five or ten issues, and that was it. He did some really, really long runs in those books. And I barely know him from Spectacular Spider-Man. That that was a yeah. book that I collected from issue one through around I think issue seventy. Um, and I, I don't even remember if he was on it by then. And then he did a huge run on that book that that is completely foreign to me, but I've, you know, in hindsight, I've seen some of the stuff he did. He was on it for a long time. Yeah. I do have a few of those issues, not many, like maybe five or 10 tops. Yeah. And there is some really good stuff in there. I think he penciled and inked himself in those and yeah, some good stuff in there too. I, I just, it's, I want so many back issues from the bronze and silver ages. It's really tough for me to ever get excited about seeking anything out, 
you know, post Bronze Age eras, just because I love those other two eras so much. Not that the other ones are terrible or anything like that. I just I want so many things. It's just yeah, <laughs> I just I'm, don't don't I'm even think you. of them. I don't even think. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting more trades now than I ever have, just because some of the things I thought they the back issue market has gone crazy price wise. So it's like. There are some of these books where I get a trade for like twenty bucks, and I'm thinking, yeah, all the singles would have cost one hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars. Like, yeah, it's getting <laughs> rough out there for a single issue guy. Oof, yeah, it is. It's there's a couple of runs and a couple of titles I want to finish off that I'm pretty far along with, like Marvel Team Up and Marvel Two and One. I think Marvel Two and One I might only need like ten or fifteen issues, and I have them all. So stuff like that, I'm gonna eventually get all those. But other ones that are much longer and. I don't have as many. Uh, it's like I gave up the ghost van. <laughs> yeah, when I when I see issues that are out of reach now, and I start to get a little depressed about it, I just have to think about all the issues that I was lucky enough to snag up in the last ten or so years, you know. And yeah. I have to be happy with that because I definitely completed some runs that I probably wouldn't be able to complete now. You know, a couple new mm-hmm. movies come out, and then all of a sudden, oh, I guess I'm never gonna. <laughs> Never going to yep. have those single issues in my possession. Eek. Yep, that's all it takes nowadays is a movie to come out or the the, the whisper of a movie that's coming out and boom, the prices right. go through the roof. A I blurry still... trailer scene or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, I oh. still have two issues of the Adventures into Fear run that had Morbius in it. There's still two, at least one if not two, and I just can't bring myself to pay like $15 for a random issue of Adventures into Fear of Morbius just because there's a movie yeah. with him coming out. So I, I can't do it, man. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Well, you'd, yeah, and you'd be lucky to grab him for 15 You get a nice reader copy. Yeah. I just think to myself, eventually after the movies come out, things sort of calm down a little bit. So I thought, yeah. oh, maybe I'll get lucky and find it after that. But yeah, there's no way I'm not paying that. I'm too cheap. <laughs> 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 15 for, for like a ra- random issue of fears that's it man i draw the yeah. line no way <laughs> <laughs> all right man so the defenders like i said issue 15 here we'll get into this so i'll just uh do a little quick synopsis here and then you and i can just dive right into the issue how's that sounds good sounds good all right so the issue begins in the uh, meditation chamber of dr strange he's giving a guided tour to nighthawk and valkyrie Suddenly, the Doc begins speaking, but not to Nighthawk or Val, and they have no idea who he's talking to. So then he uses the Eye of Agamotto to reveal none other than Professor Xavier of the X-Men, or at least his astral form. The Professor tells them that he's in dire need of help against some tremendous threat. The Doc agrees to help and summons the Hulk to join them at the Carlsbad Caverns. Upon their arrival, they, along with the Professor, are attacked by a Cyclops. The Professor eventually stops it, but then some sort of electrical discharge knocks the heroes out. We then see the antagonist is none other than Magneto and the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. The Defenders and Professor X then awaken inside the cave, and they're subdued by a stasis field. Magneto explains that he's creating the ultimate mutant that will help him take over the world. The Professor then helps the Defenders break free, and a huge brawl breaks out. Eventually, the Brotherhood is defeated, but Magneto succeeds in throwing the switch that releases Alpha, the ultimate mutant. All right, buddy. So what'd you think of this one? This is a, a really fun issue. I mean, it's uh, it's so full of plot holes that you can't, <laughs> you can't, I mean, you can't dwell on that stuff too much. There's, there's just a lot of goofy fun in this one. Mm-hmm. I, I, when we get to the next issue, uh, 
it, it kind of proves that there's there's not a lot happens in this issue. Mm-hmm. It's mostly a you know set up a couple couple of battles and set up yeah but but there's some gorgeous artwork there's some some fun moments and it's it's just a, a gorgeous issue. Yeah, the initial splash page there is really cool. I like that. You know, Sal Buscema and Klaus Janssen there, they do a good job on that splash page, man, with that, like, brazier there, and there's smoke coming out of it, and it looks like you can see the whole universe and stars and planets and stuff. That's really cool, but... I man, love that page. Yeah, that's a great page, and that's something I always think of when I think Defenders. There were so many good splash pages when you turn that cover throughout the whole series, and definitely the first, like, 30, 40 issues. Oh, they're incredible. Agreed. Mm. Yeah, Sal. I mean, even in black and white, this page would look would look gorgeous. But mm-hmm. yeah, the coloring is pretty cool too. Yeah, and then well, here's one of the one of my favorite tropes of you know the defenders, Doctor Strange talking crap uh, to the Hulk. Like it's like, dude, <laughs> he's like he like talks down to him. Like yeah, it's like come on, man. Like leave the guy alone. He just he just appears his voice and he says Hulk giant one the defenders have need of you and the hulk says huh he says oh it is magician what has happened to the rest of magician's body he said this is only a psychic projection hulk but then how does one explain such things to you <laughs> i'm like wow man really he said a lot nastier things to the hulk uh i think yeah. he's gotten he's he's mellowed a little doc strange has in this issue because Jeez. he's not as offensive as he typically is yeah, he's, he's always like, you know, you big dummy, do this and do that. It's like, dude, yo, chill out. He's he might not be the smartest guy in the world, but he's a really good guy, and he's you know saves your bacon, you know, more often than not. You know, anytime funny, it's like, yeah. The funny thing too is that um, um, he's the Hulk follows this little, you know, projection of the Doctor's head, mm-hmm. you know, almost like a like a cat chasing a laser pointer. (laughs) It makes me wonder if the, if the good doctor uh, decided to mess with the Hulk a little bit along the way, zip around to the left and the right, you know, do some circles on the wall, make the Hulk. (laughs) Made him take the long way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Hulk. (laughs) Yeah. This is one thing that did strike me about this entire story is professor Xavier. Like I get it that he needed help because the X-Men are off. I think it says in an issue of Marvel team up or something like that. They got, you know, sent here or there that they couldn't help. So I get it that he needed help. And, you know, he does help out like a tiny little bit when they get attacked by that Cyclops. But otherwise, all he does is sit there and like bark out orders. Dr. Strange, do this. Doctor, do that. It's like, dude, like you can either help or like chill out. <laughs> it's, Man, it's bossy. I, I love the fact that, um, that Xavier is a part of this, but it seems like, I mean, it, maybe it would have been more interesting if if Doctor Strange was uh, predisposed, and Xavier took the place of, you know, of Stephen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he is kind of like, it's kind of like, well, are the are the is is Xavier one of the defenders in this issue, or are the defenders like the new X Men? It's kind of a. <laughs> Yeah, maybe Xavier's an honorary member now of the Defenders or something. But I did, too, see, I did like the part where, you know, uh, once Xavier and the Defenders get captured, they're kind of like, hey, like, last time we saw you, Magneto, you were getting, you know, captured and beat down by the Avengers. Like, how'd you, you know, get loose and, you know, get into all this, you know, technology and stuff here that he has that he's, you know, cooking up this new mutant with? And they recap that in uh, Avengers 111. You know, it shows the Avengers capturing them and they put them like, where did it say they, they 
They left him to serve his sentence at the very center of the earth. <laughs> oh, my God. I <laughs> mean, like, geez. They left him for dead is what they did. That's, yeah. I mean, I last mean, time I checked, yeah. I mean, Magneto's a mutant, but he still has to eat, right? I mean, they just, <laughs> they just buried him alive. Come yeah. on, Avengers. Yeah, I mean, he eventually gets out of there, and that's kind of sketchy how he says he got out of there. But, okay, whatever. He says about a comet actually went by the earth and shifted the magnetic forces and that's what allowed him to get out of there. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, you know, he made his way up into these caverns where there's all this technology. And I can't remember. Is this, does this have something to do with the Inhumans, is it? Because he, he doesn't name, like, they never in the story name, like, who this race is that, you know, had all this technology there and stuff like that. Well, I think it was, you know, after the fact. But I did read that at some point they they said that this, this cave he discovered was from the Deviants. Oh, yeah, there and, you go. But it was kind of a retrofit, you know, I mean. Yeah. Here he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not very specific about anything. Yeah, they're very vague. It just says he comes to a cavern containing the ruptured remnants of a civilization that was ancient when Homo sapiens were still living under rocks. And it's got all this crazy, like, Kirby tech looking stuff. But that's how he was able to, uh, you know, start to cooking up this uh, alpha the ultimate mutant guy and uh oh we get another good splash page on page 23 there too where it actually shows uh, uh professor xavier and uh, the defenders breaking out of that stasis field that magneto put them in as well that's a pretty cool page yeah that's a great page it, mm -hmm. it's a uh, sal does those very nicely yeah mm -hmm. and i i love that too magneto he tells this whole story and then and then uh xavier smacks him down with that a fascinating story magneto but for all your explanation you still have told us nothing <laughs> nothing yeah thanks for going on a soliloquy but you didn't really tell us anything <laughs> those, you're never going to fill those plot holes up if you keep if you keep rambling right now yeah right <laughs> and then yeah magneto does make a special mention of how uh, you know he got his brotherhood back together but also he says i even restored the lovely lorelei to my side once more you know, she's one of those Savage Land mutates. And I think the last time we had seen her, she was powerless. So all of a sudden it's like, hey, how'd she get her powers back? But I guess maybe his crazy new technology here, you know, helped him do that. Yeah. Len Wein takes a lot of little shortcuts just to keep things moving. It's pretty <laughs> funny. But yeah, I didn't know much about her, uh, her character. I knew that he had, you know, given her this power at some point. Mm -hmm. But um, it's funny how Marvel, they, they've always played loose and fa fast and loose and fast and loose and fast mm -hmm. with, the, with the term mutant. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, if you give somebody a power, how does that make them a mutant? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. that makes any superhero mutant, you know, but don't you have to be born with that gene? <laughs> you would think. I like the big brawl then that breaks out between all of them. That's a pretty cool fight. You know, the Hulk trying to beat up on the blob and at first he can't figure him out, you know, because he just thinks he's, what does the Hulk say? He just calls him flabby man. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite. The Defenders comic is, is so known for the nicknames that get thrown around, you know, and it's usually the Hulk coming up with these nicknames and yeah. it never gets, never gets old. <laughs> flabby yeah, man. Yeah, the Defenders is definitely not PC, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> Some of the names and things they call each other and say to the, you know, the, the villains in the stories are definitely not. Uh, <laughs> and the not, things they call each other. I mean, it's yeah. a whole cast nicknames for everybody. But then, you know, uh, you've got Nighthawk calling Hulk lettuce lips sometimes and things <laughs> like that. You know, it's just it's one of my favorite aspects of it. 
Yeah, I like Valkyrie too, man. She's just like, I think I'll take my sword and try to like cut this guy in half. <laughs> it's like wow she's not she's not screwing around like the whole no. like, I'll, I'll punch somebody she's just like i'll cut somebody in half <laughs> wow these these are not characters that that i'm all that familiar with i mean i i read uncanny uh well it wasn't uncanny yet was it it was just x-men i read it from about mm-hmm. 90 i started with issue 98 mm-hmm. and i don't have a lot of experience with the earlier you know the very first run Mm-hmm. before they went into reprints but you know like um Eunice the untouchable i'm not I, I don't remember him at all except from from this mm-hmm. and then mastermind he was a really early x-men villain right yeah he's been around early a long time. Yep. yeah yeah that crew that's there now those three not lorelei but the other three they were like super early like single digit uh brotherhood against the x-men single digit like silver age issues of x-men i think you know early on too you had quicksilver and scarlet witch in there too they were part of that little crew but uh yeah those are those are some tough comics to get through like you know just (laughs) just just dialogue alone sometimes you're just like wow man (laughs) like they're a little bit of a, a slog to get through but they're fun i like listening to other people talk about them so i'll listen to podcasts that'll talk about them there's a a good one out there uh I don't know if you're friends with him or not, but uh, Chris Sheehan, he's uh, at Ace Comics. He has mm-hmm. uh, X lapsed and he talks about a lot of newer comics, but uh, yeah. every once in a while he'll talk about the Silver Age stuff. And he's he talked, I think he's up to like into the Roy Thomas and Neil Adams uh, issues already that he's talked about. And of course, you know, nice. He, he'll, he'll, he'll poke fun at some of the uh, inconsistencies and <laughs> funny stuff, kind of like we are now too. So it's a fun listen, but yeah, those are, those are tough issues, but yeah, overall, this, like you said, this was a fun issue. But uh, at the end there, you know, you get the climax of you know, Magneto hitting the old lever or button there, and you see that, like, like glass case kind of opening up and uh, glass chamber. Everybody's like, uh-oh. And, you know, they leave you on a good uh, cliffhanger there, don't they? I think they do. Well, yeah, they don't. You just see a little, little shadow. shadow, a little silhouette, and it piques my interest. Yeah, and then, <laughs> so... <laughs> I love the next issue. It, it, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, we, let's, let's real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Go the ahead. Very beginning of this issue. We glossed right over Nighthawk's new costume. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it, he, I love it. Oh yeah. I, I mean, uh, he's a favorite character of mine. I've, I've always mm-hmm. loved this. this oh, he's cool. But I think it's funny how they just kind of, it's just, Oh, by the way, I, I have a jetpack now, you know, it's just, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. I can fly. <laughs> it's, yeah. No, it's great, but his his original costume uh, that that the character debuted in was mm-hmm. had its own charms, <laughs> had a little little a bigger beak than this one. Yes, it was really weird looking. <laughs> this one's way better, I think. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I like how he's just trying to always goof around too. Like Doctor Strange is all serious, and you know this is the cauldron of the cosmos, and. Sometimes I sit around here looking at this thing for hours and he's like, uh, yeah, somehow I didn't figure you as a type sit around playing solitaire. And he's like, where do you hide the pool table? <laughs> Dr. Strange, forgive me. I own no pool table. <laughs> it's the best. Oh, it's the best. <laughs> yeah, they actually had some really great personalities in this book, a really good mix of uh, characters and personalities. And that's again, that's another reason why I love the Defenders. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of uh, oftentimes there were a lot of a-holes in the room at the same time. Oh, yeah. So they were they're bouncing off each other, you know, mm-hmm. not a lot yeah. of etiquette. 
<laughs> yeah, no, not for sure. <laughs> Which is why Val is such a great addition to the team. Yeah, you know, I, I've yeah. Often, I've She's often good. said that uh, I, I like the parallel that she came in in the fourth issue of the Defenders, sort of like Captain America in the fourth issue of the Avengers, you know, and then became mm -hmm. quickly became like the you know the what you think of first when you think of the Avengers, you think of I, th I think of Cap and Thor and Iron Man, but Cap was always, the, you know, almost always the leader. He was keeping the things together. And um, mm -hmm. and Val sort of became the most important defender. She was in the in the book the longest, I think. Yeah, she you figure like they, they changed, uh, you know, characters quite a bit. But her and Doctor Strange were probably the most like in the most issues of the series out of all the yeah. people because the roster sometimes would change like drastically. Yeah, but she's a nice, uh, you know, she's a nice element to kind of calm down all the testosterone, even though she <laughs> has a little bit of her own. Yeah, I like her. She's she's a, yeah. a like tough, but she has, you know, this other side to her that, you know, she's in this other woman's body, basically. And there's always that like she wants to figure that out and stuff. They usually did pretty. I think they, they did a pretty good job with her throughout the, the series. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can always do better. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but yeah. I liked having her in there. I thought she was a good character. Yeah, I agree. And there's a there's a awesome moment coming up with this next issue, an awesome Val moment for me. <laughs> well, okay, let's jump into that one then. So again, Len Wein, like we said, he wrote this one as well. And then Sal Buscema and then uh, Mike Esposito uh, is the uh, team inside here. And then Glennis Wing colorist again, and then Charlotte Jetter letters and uh, Roy Thomas editor. And then this one was uh, Gil Kane and Frank Giacoya cover. And then of course, you know, there's you know, some faces redone by Ramita because that's just the way it was. <laughs> but uh, what did you think? Do you think so? You think there's <laughs> faces redone? You know, this one, I can't really tell. The other one, yeah. I can kind of see Blob's <laughs> face on the first one and maybe even Nighthawk and maybe even Eunice on the other one. But this one, I don't know. And most of the faces are obscured, so it's really hard to tell. Yeah. There are kind of some strange angles on a lot of these faces. Yeah, this this yeah. cover is not quite as good as the as the first one, in my opinion. I think the other one's much better. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I agree. In fact, um, and this and the other thing too is that this this issue is a little bit a little bit confusing, a little spoilery, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you have <laughs> this you know this this cliffhanger character that we haven't seen yet, mm -hmm. and he appears on this cover twice <laughs> yeah once looking like a uh you know from the crow magnet age or something like that and then mm -hmm. you know, the one in the background there you know the big giant with oversized cranium but uh, uh we'll get to a, that yeah, it's weird cover, not a bad cover but yeah no definitely not bad it's just it's definitely not as good as the one before i'd say that one before is like you said that is a really good cover oh, that man. 15 that I was cr I, I crazy that poster <laughs> yeah so <laughs> Yeah, this one says on the front, new Magneto, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, plus Alpha, the ultimate mutant menace. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure I look at, like, in the crazy thing there, Xavier, man, he looks, like, kind of evil in that on the cover here. He's not a very big, but he looks like he's getting, like, pissed off. Like, he's really, yeah. like, a, a villain or something. Those eyebrows are getting out of hand. <laughs> he needs a, a wax him or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, uh, that's what dragon fang is for so well there you go now to take care of this <laughs> she'll, <laughs> she'll help him out wow 
Uh, yeah, we know she's not shy with the sword there. So, but all right. So here we'll jump right into this one, and then uh, we'll go from there. So uh, we finally see Alpha, the Ultimate Mutant, and he seems to be at Magneto's beck and call. He easily turns away Doctor Strange and the Hulk's efforts to to uh, stop him. But then he transports Magneto and the Brotherhood away, leaving the Defenders and Professor Xavier trapped in the caverns. They eventually get out and begin to search for Magneto and his crew. Uh, speaking of Magneto uh, and his cohorts, they have made their way to New York City and take the UN building by storm. They demand to be made absolute rulers, and then Alpha rips the building out of the ground and into the sky where it levitates. Professor Xavier and the Defenders show up, and... They battle rock monsters created by Alpha. Then Alpha himself. Uh, they The behemoth defeats them with ease, but then Professor Xavier notices his cranium is getting larger, so he tries to reason with the now much smarter Alpha. You see, his powers grow with every use of, his, every use of them, so apparently does his intelligence as well. Xavier convinces him to use his mental power to determine who the real villains are here. And then Alpha turns on Magneto and the Brotherhood. And with a wave of his hand, he turns them into infants and then flies off into space. <laughs> so what did you think of this one overall? <laughs> uh, this, uh, even though the, the, the previous cover is better, I, I think this issue is more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And even if it's only for the last page, the, la <laughs> the, la the final page alone, which... I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I'm, I really enjoy this issue too. And again, there's, uh, you know, it, there's, there's just the right amount of goofiness. There's, there's a lot of stuff that's, that doesn't, doesn't really make any sense. But I mean, you know, some of the, some of the, even the Brotherhood of the Evil Mutants, you know, their, their powers are, are pretty malleable from issue to issue as far as mm -hmm. what they're doing. We've got illusions that are tangible and then, illusions that maybe aren't as tangible and uh you know it's mm -hmm. just funny yeah but, this that first one seemed more like just a regular superhero comic to me where this one seems more like a defender's issue yeah the the, the first half of this story is a, is a slug fest mm -hmm. and um you know that then we, then it switches gears and now we've got this this interesting moral story you know it's mm -hmm. it's 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 kind of like, um, I don't know, a little bit like a Twilight Zone episode or something like that. But but I, I love the way uh, it progresses. And I love the way Alpha, you know, subtly shifts throughout the issue. I, I think that part of it's really clever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he looks like, you know, on that first splash page there, he looks just like a big, huge, muscular guy, almost like a pro wrestler. <laughs> yeah, he just looks like he's just a brute. Mm hmm. Yeah. And then everybody's just like, uh, you know, not sure what to do with them. And the doc zaps him in the face and he's kind of like, hey, what's going on here? But then he immediately knows how to make like a invisible force field around himself that nobody can even harm him, touch him, nothing. And, you know, then they uh, just with the urgence of Magneto, just transport out of there like, OK, this guy's like really dumb, but he at least knew how to put up a force field and then use his uh transportation power there it's like wow teleportation he's not really too smart yet that's pretty neat i think it's pretty funny that han shot first <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah dr strange doesn't even wait and he just blasts him yeah. poor guy 
Yeah, I mean, I thought, eggs mine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what I said to you. He's just like, yeah, do it, doctor. Yeah, <laughs> punch him, doctor. And like, holy crap. Like, he's like, yeah, like he's used to bossing around the X Men. So I guess he, he's like, I know. I'm going to tell them what to do as well. It's like, all right, calm down. You're not the boss of them. Oh, man. He's funny. Yeah, he's funny. But yeah, like you said, this one, just like the first one, too, there's just a lot of goofiness and, you know, you can, you know, the plot holes are, you know, uh, a plenty, but it's still a fun issue, man. But like you said, it's just, you know, they fight and it's a lot of fighting. And then until you get to the end where, you know, like we said, it's like this like morality play, basically. And, you know, Magneto tries to tell Alpha, like, you know, hey, the ends justify the means. And then Alpha's, you know, smartened up enough to know, like, hey, dude, no way. Like, you can't have me running around here doing your dirty work for you and hurting people and killing people because you want to take over the world. That's just crazy. Uh, there are some great moments, you know, for me, you know, getting to the end. Uh, Lynn does a great thing with the, with the Hulk getting trapped and just all of a sudden out of nowhere, they think the Hulk is dead. <laughs> yeah i mean they've seen him how many times get through other crazy stuff yeah. why would they think that yeah him? but at the top of page 11 when the hulk emerges from them destroying a national monument or well <laughs> you know a, yeah. a natural natural monument but that top right panel on page 11 mm-hmm. when you see val's hand on hulk's cheek like <laughs> yeah that's that's everything for me that's that's great it's so gorgeous she's just like oh we thought we'd never see you again. Oh, she's so sweet. <laughs> yeah, and she was crying earlier. And Doctor Strange says to her, "Please, Val, don't weep. Perhaps it's all for the best." What? <laughs> what do you mean it's for the best? Him being dead is for the best. Yeah. Like, yeah. Jeez, man. <laughs> yeah, we dra- we dragged that big brute out of the woods to help us, and he he didn't help us that much anyway. And now he's gone. Whatever. Let's 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 get out. <laughs> Yeah, perhaps now the Hulk has finally found peace. Yeah, okay, because he's trapped in there and almost dead. Like, yeah. come on, man, <laughs> Doctor Steven. Yeah, no mercy. <laughs> he's like he's like a, a Cobra Kai guy. No mercy, man. <laughs> and you know the fact care. that he just uh, conveniently can't teleport them out of there. I don't know. Yeah, usually you'd think he was up to that task, but that same page you're saying about eleven. I like that next set uh, set of panels right underneath there where Val has her hand on the Hulk's cheek, you know, where it's Professor Xavier using his powers. And, you know, the first panel kind of shows him, you know, using his powers with all these like lines around him and stuff like that. And then the second one focuses more in on his face and head. And then the third one on his eye and you can see Magneto in his eye. I do like that. That's pretty cool. Unless I'm grossly mistaken, we shall find Magneto and his companions prowling the streets of, if you couldn't guess it, (laughs) New York city. (laughs) Isn't yeah. that where the Marvel Universe always takes place? So we're back to New York. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, wouldn't Washington be a better place for them to go to and start this, you know, their conversation? But I guess not. I guess New York's cool. Well, <laughs> DC's <gotta>, not. Because <laughs> they're interested in every country, not just the U.S. Mm. He wants to rule every country. Yeah, too funny, too funny. But yeah, like you said, too, I like the subtle difference of how throughout the story, you know, they change alpha starts changing from this big you know muscle bound guy that just you know all he wants to do is like you know fight or smash things almost like a hulk mentality and like his physical size starts to get a little bit smaller but his head starts to grow and he starts to get smarter i really do like that you know len and then of course sal with the art did good there i think sal did a great job um there's also a little 
you start to see more expression on mm-hmm. Alpha's face. Um, on page 14, you get, well, first of all, the bottom right panel on page 14, you gotta laugh because uh, they're like, it's, it's Magneto, he's back, he's come back to destroy us. And Magneto says, no, human, only to talk as he throws this guy across the room. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking, geez, that guy's going to have a broken arm or a leg or something. But you can kind of see Alpha's face in the middle of the page when Magneto throws those cops. You can see him like he's starting to, yeah. it's starting to register, you know, like, wait, whoa, what'd you just do? That's, that's not cool. And then the middle of uh, page 15, when he says, help, help you. Mm-hmm. You're just getting a lot more emotion, you know, and it's just, yeah, I think it's really nicely done. Yeah, I like when he, you know, stands up to him, too. Like, I think it's, what was it, maybe page 17, where it says about, you know, destroy them. And he's like, destroy them? Why? He's starting to question him. But he's still not quite there yet. So Magneto just kind of has to, like, raise his voice and shake his fist. And he's, okay, I'll do it. But like you said, it doesn't last long, though, because eventually he gets smart enough to say, hey, wait a minute, like, this isn't right, you know? And I really like that. That's that's probably, that is probably my second favorite part of the uh, the book. You know, like you said, the last page, I'm sorry, you can't beat that. That's yeah. One of the, best, the best pages ever. And, <laughs> in, the, and in, in the previous issue and in this issue, we get a couple of really cute moments where, where the Hulk is pushing Professor Xavier in his wheelchair. It's just so cute. Uh, mm-hmm. In this issue, it's on page 16. Mm-hmm. You've got a couple of shots of him pushing him in his wheelchair. It's really cute. Yeah, well, I like when they were, uh, you know, the Hulk holds <laughs> Professor Xavier in a wheelchair, and that's how they were transported. Yeah. Doctor Strange flew over the top of them and used the yeah. eye to, like, levitate them. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Couldn't get him out of the caverns without <laughs> Dragon Fang, but I can, I can fly us across the country. <laughs> yeah, really? It's crazy. I love it, but... All right, so before we get to the end here, anything else you wanted to mention before we get to the last hurrah here? Um, no, I can't think of anything else uh, offhand, but there's <laughs> there's a there's a nice little slugfest that happens in here too, and and Alpha starts to use his powers in a different way, which is mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Yeah, he's, makes Nighthawk dizzy. Get, he he messes with Valkyrie's legs. Mm-hmm. Turns the Hulk to rock or something. I mean, it's yeah, pretty cool. And he even tries to reason with them, too. He's like, please surrender yourselves. I have no wish to do you any yeah. harm. And that's when Xavier's like, wait a minute. He doesn't really want to hurt them. Like, that's when he really is like, aha, I know something's going on here. And he talks to him, you know, and well, says about it, it. In the middle, yeah, in the middle of 26, uh, those middle panels, you see Alpha mm-hmm. and then you see Xavier. And they're they're starting to look a lot alike. They do. <laughs> Very and then, much. And then Xavier says, Alpha's head different somehow. Cranium grown larger. Like sounds more like the Hulk's dialogue. <laughs> it does. But yeah, they look, head they, look big. they look very similar in those two panels there. I mean, maybe Xavier was just like, wait a minute, this guy's bald just like me. I can <laughs> I can reason with this. Look. <laughs> yeah. He's... he's starting to get angry. <laughs> and that's my shtick. Oh, that's next great. thing you're gonna have a wheelchair. Get out of here. Yeah, Doctor Strange is about to go to town right after that, and he's uh, here. We go, Professor Xavier again with his bossiness. Sorcerer, restrain yourself. <laughs> it's like, wow, dude. Oh my god. Yeah, he he's used to yelling that... at kids, so <laughs> he's like, I'm going to tell these people how to. <laughs> Xavier is the one that uh, egged him on the first time when he was zapping away at Alpha. Yeah, one minute it's attack, Doctor. Now it's restrain yourself, Doctor. Well, hold on, there. 
<laughs> and then we get another fun splash page. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But oh wow. The splash page on thirty is is a little disturbing the more you look at it though, because that alpha does not look uh, gentle in this. He's, he's no. not a big brute anymore, but now he looks really mad. Yeah, you almost think get the feeling like you know he's uh, you know weighing who's right and who's wrong on the scales of here, and all the heroes are on the left and the villains are on the right. And I'm thinking to myself. Does he say, you know, when judgment is reached, like, I almost think he's going to, like, you know, kill whoever he doesn't deem uh, worthy. Right. I mean, that's I mean, that's the idea you get because he just looks. He looks pissed off up there. Mm-hmm. He's going to destroy everyone. Yeah. And then, you know, he he basically says, Magneto, you lied to me. And Magneto tries to basically, you know, say, yes, I he 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 cops to it. He says, yes, I did lie to you. But he basically says to him, you know, that it's okay that I lied to you because, you know, what I was having you do is in the best interest. And it's like, uh, no, that's not okay, dude. Can't lie to people to manipulate them into doing what you want them to do. <laughs> I did like that. I did like that Magneto admitted lying. That was kind of a nice yeah. touch. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I lied. I lie all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And then, of course, you know, there's Alpha standing there in front of the blob, who's a big boy, and Alpha's like twice the size of him. And he said, you are wrong, Magneto. I'm not one of your kind. I'm not just like you. And he's like, you're no more than a band of selfish children and waves his hand at them. And you see them in this like energy field. And they're like, no, no. And then Dr. Strange and uh, Professor Xavier talk to him and basically say, hey, uh, thanks for helping us out, pal. And he's like, uh, you people aren't very smart. I'm I'm too smart for Earth. I'm going to get out of here. <laughs> he just goes blasting out into space. <laughs> I wonder if Alan Moore was, uh, you know, was inspired by this issue. <laughs> yeah, it could be, right? <laughs> That's great. And then we get a very different looking alpha on the very last page. Yeah, very he's, alien he's looking. Very, yeah, very in you know, he went from early man to looking very much like Charles. And mm-hmm. now he, he doesn't he hardly looks human at all. Yeah, very, very alien looking face. Even if you took away the you know large cranium, his he still looks like very you know, like almost from like a 50s or 60s B sci-fi movie kind of alien yeah. guy. And then, yep, whoosh out into space. And then we get some of that Lin Wein heart on this last page uh, when he says, but some night, humans, when you look to the star-flecked heavens, I pray you, think of me. <laughs> it's so <laughs> sweet. Yep, and then he just goes blasting out there. And you know what? I didn't think he ever appeared again. But I looked it up, and he did appear a couple more times. There was some story in... Uh, is it Nova or one of those? Uh, Quasar, of... I believe. Quasar, yeah. Not I had to Quasar. look it up myself. Yeah. Because, um, I had heard that he, he never appeared again, and I wasn't sure. Um, yeah. That's a, That Quasar series is one I'd love to to get my hands on and read through. I'm sure I would enjoy it. Well, and I was know. pleasantly surprised that he was brought back. Keep your eyes open. They're putting lots of those uh, epic collections out of all different kind of series. You might be able to get your hands on it that way. They're a good deal. And then we have the uh, final panel here. (laughs) Which is is the... That's your moneymaker right there. Mm, Well, even the panel before, Hulk scratching his head and says, Huh? Big head man is gone. Flew away like bright star. Hulk doesn't understand. And then Doctor Strange, Nor do you have to, my emerald friend. You need only know this. A godling passed among us today. And in passing, left behind a most precious gift. 
<laughs> yeah, precious gift. He took four, you know, homicidal maniacs and turned them into babies. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, that panel with the baby Magneto with the giant helmet on his head still and the cape wrapped around him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if Sal didn't get paid twice his normal rate for this page, then not as not all is right in the world because he really knocked it out of the park. And to yeah. see the see the defender's legs, you know, standing behind him for scale. I mean, it's just it's just so perfect. That's great, but and you know what though this this one story it did lead to a bunch of stuff in X Men. You know, I for kind of forgot about this, but they shipped those babies off to actually there's five of them now. I'm saying four, but no, there's five yeah. or Brotherhood members in Magneto. I don't know about the other four, but Magneto, he got shipped off to Muir Island to go be in Moira McTaggart's lab. And she like messed around with him genetically somehow. That basically was was trying to make him good, right? Yeah. Trying to make him not be, you know, grow up again to be evil. And then that uh, uh, one of those Shi'ar characters from space, I can't remember what his name is. But he came back there to Muir Island and like re-aged him back to like, you know, adulthood. So there's part of that story again. You know, I mean, this led to that. And then I think it was like the the restart when they redid X-Men, when it was like the Jim Lee artwork and stuff like that. Isn't that the era where then, you know, he kind of brings that back and doesn't he, I don't know if he kills Moira McTaggart or goes after her somehow and like tortures her and stuff because he somehow found out that you know, she did that to him. Yeah, I don't I don't know about those. Um, the relaunch book, I don't have much um, knowledge of that one. Uh, I'm, it sounds completely plausible that they would yeah. do that. I mean, they, they kind of I think they kind of, I don't know if it was kind of retrograded as well, but they they brought him back and then kind of said that he was younger than he was. Yeah, you like know, only in his as, 20s or maybe instead of his 40s or something. Yeah, but I think, you know, that that kind of got forgotten along the along the way too because then we end up with you know the gray hair the silver haired magneto eventually but but yeah they uh they i don't think they made much mention of the other four but they just kind of and it all happened in flashback i think yeah you know they, I mean, it didn't happen in real time they just here's magneto again and and this is why but I mean, hey, that's some pretty good mileage out of a little goofball story from 1974 in the Defenders. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, yeah, maybe this uh, this issue uh, inspired the X Babies too. Later on, who knows? <laughs> yeah, you never know. Could have. <laughs> that's funny, but yeah, it just struck me as autumn. It's like, oh yeah, that did inspire. You know, they did mine this, you know, tiny little story here into a couple other things, which is wild. You know, again, you don't. They're writing these stories back in the 70s thinking, you know, they don't even know who's even going to see them back then, let alone think they're going to have any impact down the road. But they did. And this this issue didn't have the same impact on me as it might have if I'd have read it when it came out, because. When I, you know, first read this issue a few years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, it just seemed like, oh, you know, it's the X-Men. The X-Men were ubiquitous when I was when I started reading comics, you know, but they hadn't been publishing new X-Men stories for, I think maybe almost three years when this came out. Yeah. And they was, were in hibernation. It would be there. another year until giant size X-Men number one. Mm-hmm. So this was, um, you know, Magneto had bounced around and I think he, he was in the FF book and he was, yep. he was with the Inhumans and, 
And here they reference the Avengers stories, but he was kind of a a villain without a you know without a team. You know the the yeah. X Men were, and when they said special mission, that the X Men were on special mission, their mm. only special mission was that they were beating up on the Human Torch out of <laughs> through, some, <laughs> through some misunderstanding and Marvel team up. You know, but yeah, you know the. It seems nowadays it just seems commonplace, but this was one of those rare appearances by Magneto because he wasn't appearing in a regular book as a regular villain. Those yeah, days I, were behind him. Yeah, I know a lot of times, like I said, people, like you were saying, people forget about that era where there basically were no new X-Men stories for like four years in their own comic anyway. But yeah, they did make some other appearances. Like I said, Xavier here and Magneto popped around a little bit and then the X-Men, they were in couple of those early issues of Marvel team up. They were in the secret empire story, Captain America there with Engelhart. I think, was that Sal Buscema too? That drew that? Oh, uh, I don't know. I think it might've been, that was a really good era there for Captain America too. Yeah. But the next time that Magneto shows up is, is, you know, on the precipice of the, the X-Men becoming the biggest, you know, the biggest seller. Yeah. Yeah. So, he he goes to sleep a baby and he wakes up. <laughs> he wakes up in the biggest book in the Marvel Universe. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, to think where they went from and where they are now and where they went during the 80s and all. Wow, it's crazy, isn't it? What a franchise. It really is. Crazy. Yeah. So, all right. Well, any final thoughts on these issues or the Defenders as a whole? Um, you know, I one of the reasons I love the Bronze Age is because um, you know, like we kind of talked about earlier, when you the earlier ages of comic books, they a lot of times they were a little too goofy for me. You know, there wasn't wasn't sometimes there was hardly any rhyme or reason. You know, and mm-hmm. when you got into the Bronze Age, they took it a little more seriously, but mm-hmm. there's still a lot of goofy fun, you know, sprinkled in. Yeah, uh, and and the, I think this perfectly encapsulates that. Um, as even as the Defenders went on, you know, things got a little more. A little more serious mm-hmm. not a lot but you know a little bit but this was just um you know lynn ween had to get a story out and uh there's a lot of plot holes but he crammed it all into two issues you know i'm just so glad this is not a six issue story you know <laughs> it probably it's, would be today <laughs> yeah easily or you know or a 12 issue event you know but mm-hmm. this yeah. was just uh Magneto's back, man, and he's and he's he's up to no good again, and we got to stop him. And and uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I love continuity I, and longer stories too, but I still love one and dones, or even just you know a couple issues and get a neat story out, and that's it too. And I don't think uh, I don't think Xavier ever did show back up in the Defenders that I can think of. No, I don't think so. Run. Yeah, unless unless it was something very like oblique. No, I don't remember that at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, this was is it. A, yeah, it was a fun, fun little romp. Yeah, absolutely. So, and yeah, if one. nothing else, we got Nighthawk's new costume out of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And like, uh, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm all for it, man. That was a, to me, that was a huge improvement. <laughs> Agreed. Mm-hmm. So, all right, man. Well, if anybody uh, wants to seek you out, where can they find you online? Um, uh, mostly, I'm on Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. just at Dallin B D A L L A N B. Um, I've been on Twitter since the early days, so somehow I got 
I got Dallin B. What I really wanted was just Dallin. But mm-hmm. some guy, some guy with the middle, first initial D, D Allen, got it before me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. still waiting for that guy to jump off to it. But um, no, I, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in several bands and I'm playing regularly. And sometimes I post about my shows, but um, usually not on Twitter. Twitter's all about uh, fun and comic books for the most part. Yeah, which is cool. You're one of those people too that's on there. It's you know on there and always trying to just have a good time and have fun and not trying to, you know, some people have this, you know, weird uh, negativity when they hear the word Twitter, but I'm just like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. It's fun on there. And they're looking at me like, you're crazy. It's like crazy on there. It's awful on there. I'm like, no, it's really not, man. There's a, a really good group of people. I just talk yeah. to there all the time. It's, it's, it's what you make of it. And there's a really good group of people. Yeah. I don't know what other people are doing wrong, but <laughs> I feel like the, the, the Twitter comic book community is, yeah. is a, is a shining light in my day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's a, it's a, there's a good group of us. So if you're on Twitter, and you think you it sucks. You're a big part of that. And I appreciate, uh, I appreciate your podcast. I appreciate you inviting me on here. It's a lot of fun. I don't, yeah. I, I don't foresee a day when I would ever have my own podcast, but I sure do see why a lot of people like to do it because the, the maybe one hour a week that I'm at the local comic shop, you know, mm-hmm. uh, among my brethren, you know, just talking and and perusing. It's a lot of fun, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to make your own opportunity to to talk comics with people on a weekly basis, I think is a great thing. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, especially when those people live, you know, thousands of miles away right? or, or on other continents. <laughs> you know something about that. Fun. Yeah, that's that's that to me is the most fun, too. It's like. Yeah. You would never have met these people or talked to these people, you know, if it wasn't for uh, being online and social media and stuff. So, yeah, man, it's it's a great deal. I'm I'm Absolutely. happy to be friends with uh, you, people like you on the Internet. It's awesome, man. We have a good time. I second everything you just said, Mr. Delicious. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, I don't want to keep you up here anymore and hold you. I'm sure you've got uh, some other stuff to do outside of here. So I am going to let you go at this point, but I definitely want to say thank you again for being on. I appreciate it, man. This was a blast. That was a lot of fun. Thanks, Billy. All right, man. I'll be back in a second to wrap things up. Ah. Oh, brother Mordo, I, I had such a wonderful visit. Good child. This institution's purpose is to make you content and fulfilled. Oh, I am. For the first time in my life, I'm I'm really happy. Now, my children, go back to your chambers and rest. We will have another visit very soon. You have failed me. Master. Master Dormammu. You did not retrieve the wand. I am doomed. Doomed! I need the wand of Watum. Bring it to me, no matter what the cost! Mordo. It can only be Mordo. But Doctor, how can you be so sure that it's him? It fits in with his dark purpose. It is time you knew the whole story, Wong. Ours is a deadly rivalry that began years ago when a car accident ended my career as a prominent New York doctor. I lost the delicate touch that a surgeon requires and left me a bitter, broken man. 
Finally, in desperation, I trekked through the far corners of Asia to seek a maven known only as the Ancient One. I wanted an instant miracle cure, but the Ancient One told me to study with him, to learn his mystic ways and find the cure within myself. Alas, I was too bitter to listen. On my way out, I came across the Ancient One's student. His name was Mordo. He was attempting to destroy the Ancient One and take his place. I had to warn the old man. Mordo tried to stop me. But luckily, the Ancient One had known of Mordo's plot and was prepared. The Ancient One told me I had been tested and that there was goodness in my soul. I agreed to become the Ancient One's pupil so I could fight Mordo and the evil magic he stood for. I have studied the mystic magics. My life has taken on deeper meaning as I have prepared for the inevitable confrontation with Baron Mordo. Brother Mordo? So he's the head of the Center for Reunification? Yes, it's some kind of secret cult. They say this Mordo fellow recruits his disciples with promises of reuniting them with lost loved ones. Mr. Robinson, call on line four! First I lose Mary Jane to Harry, now to this dangerous cult. I have to find a way to save her. But what hold does this Mordo have over her? Okay, everybody, that wraps up this episode. Uh, once again, I want to thank Dallin for being on the show. Good guy. Uh, hopefully I can get him on again in the future to uh, talk more comics. If not here, uh, maybe on one of my other shows. You know, some horror comics talk or, you know, maybe even some Brave and the Bold. We'll see. But uh, definitely hopefully he's up for uh, maybe even some more Defenders talk in the future. That would be great. So I'll get out there and give him a follow on Twitter and, you know, check out his uh, uh, cool music and uh, give him a follow. He's a good guy. So... That's going to be it for this one, and uh, we will see you here in two weeks.